0: Hello, world. I'm Eric Dye. I'm Jeremy Smith. And I'm Phil Schneider. And you're listening to Church Mag Podcast number 66.
1: If you're auto sharing on social media, you're doing it wrong and you shouldn't do it at all. There's an authenticity
2: there that resonates so strongly.
0: Automation and using scheduling tools are not the same thing. You
2: just want to simply come off as real and true.
0: This week's podcast is brought to you by Digital Marketing for Churches that Want to Succeed from ChurchMag Press. Written by our very own Jeremy Smith, this ebook will introduce you to a unique idea called the Social Media Engagement Matrix. It will help you tailor your message online for what you want to say. You can download Digital Marketing for Churches that Want to Succeed from churchmag.press. That's churchmag.press. On this week's podcast, we talk church social media with Steve Fogg. If you want to join the conversation or ask a question, simply use the hashtag CMAGCAST. Now, before we dive into this week's podcast, let's take a listen to a
3: Church Mag Pro Tip from Jonathan Malm about church websites. Hey guys, Jonathan Malm here with a quick ministry tip. Today's tip is all about your website. Specifically, it's about the types of features you should include in your website. With tools like WordPress, it's never been easier to add new widgets and features to your site. I remember back when I was designing websites back in the day, you were really cool if you could include a game on your site. Cut, paste a Java applet into your website, and it was the coolest thing in the world. While well, the web thankfully has evolved a little since those times, but maybe not that much. There are still plenty of useless tools you can add to your website that do little more than slow down your site and clutter the page so much that people can't find the information they're seeking. Should you include a Flickr or Instagram feed on your latest posts? Should you include your Twitter stream? Should you include the Bible verse of the day? Probably not, and here's why. Your website is primarily informational. That's the role of the site. People are looking for very specific information on your site. Now, social media is a different medium. That medium is more about personal connection. Just like you wouldn't solely put information on your social media profiles, why would you put connection content on your website? They're different mediums and they serve different purposes. So avoid cluttering your website with irrelevant information like weather widgets or countdown clocks. I mean, it's a countdown to what? There are other reasons not to clutter your site, but uh, we'll go into that later. And there's the tip. Go and make your church website awesome. And if you'd like to hear more about this, I actually put together an ebook with ChurchMag that's precisely about this sort of thing. Go on Amazon or ChurchMag and download Rethinking Your Church Website Strategy. It's less than five bucks. You won't regret getting it. As
0: we, as we get into this interview here for the podcast, why don't you tell us a little bit? I know who you are. Cause I, I you know, I, I, follow your stuff and, and, you're, you're someone in the space, right? When they hear Steve Fogg, people automatically know who that is. So uh, for those that don't know who that is, why don't you give us a, a quick breakdown of who you are, kind of what's your day job, and then also what is your what is your niche and, and uh, specialty? Yeah,
4: sure. Uh, my day job, I'm the uh, communications pastor at Crossway Church here in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, I've been on staff for eight years. Uh, love what I do. I haven't worked a day um, in that time, uh, I'm just passionate about uh, helping our community connect to Christ. Uh, we're in a similar sort of environment. We're in a post-Christian world, whatever that means, um, and uh, secularisation is well and truly the predominant culture here in Australia. And we are probably a little bit more unique. Uh, and you probably know how it feels, Eric, in terms of that. There's not many mega churches here, here in Australia. And it's really only one woman in international profile called Hillsong, who I've got a lot of friends there who I love. And um, but we're just probably a regular mega church in the American landscape. We've got four thousand uh, attenders on a weekend. And uh, so our, my role is to help people uh, take steps of faith um, and um, facilitate clear pathways and communicate uh, simply and clearly. And, um, and that's really um, my day job. I, I've got a new passion which is kind of been brewing over the last few years, which we're realising next week – oh, sorry, next month. It feels like next week because it's so close. Uh, but we're starting a, our own uh, church online and platform. And um, so uh, in, on August 23rd, we'll be kicking that off. So that's been a kind of a year in the making uh, so taking what I know and my heart and passion to reach out into our community to, to take steps of faith, I'm kind of translating that into kind of the end game in some ways. Um, and uh, so I'm using my kind of mark on skills to not just reach them but actually put a message in front of them as well. So that's kind of a, a, an, a coming to a, a dream that's coming to fruition now. Um, my, that's my passion in my day. My, I just kind of fell into blogging a little bit because when I started at Crossway uh, eight years ago, uh, I had no um, kind of compass point for what a communications director was in the church world. My background prior to Crossway for 18 years was a uh, creative director in the advertising and marketing world and kind of flipping over to the other side to the communication side, I think was a new thing for me. Um, so I had to kind of look to see who was out there and um, who I could find out. They were, were, were all in the states, and uh, so I started reaching out um, to different people in the states, and I um, started writing about what I know. And uh, I, I remember my first blog post where you hit send, and you know you just hit and set, you know publish to to yourself essentially. And um, that was the, the first journey and um, uh, I, I, it's been a wonderful journey for me just to share about what I've learned along the way and um, I, I've, um, I tend to share what I love, uh, what I'm passionate about, um, what I'm discovering, both in my kind of, you know, I'm eight, only really eight years into this new role and it uh, still feels new in some ways. And um, I'm I'm just sharing kind of what I learned along the way and share share my mistakes and successes. Um, And I'm not writing to build something, a product or a service. Uh, I'm writing really just to help educate uh, people who are like me, um, who are starting out in church communications, all communications out there in the marketplace, who need some signposts. and especially in the church world where I see and I get emails from people saying, hey, I've just started out in my job or I'm starting in a month. Can you give me some pointers? And, uh, and, and that's what inspires me to write uh, on my blog. And um, so that's kind of the, the long story to where it is now. And I've been blessed that um, a lot of doors have opened in terms of um, meeting people who are a lot smarter than I am. Uh, online and um, built friendships over the years on Twitter uh, and on Facebook and learned heaps from different people on their blogs and, you know, um, it's it's kind of one of those weird things that I remember going to um, a conference in the States on, in LA and uh, you, I walked into this conference, I'd just been on the plane for 16 hours and got in a car, driven to the conference and um I felt like I knew everybody. And it's the weirdest of feelings that because you connected digitally, uh, and via blogs and commenting and sharing and stuff like that, to put a face to that person. You didn't didn't feel like a cold walk up to that person. And I think that's a sort of wonderful thing of blogging, um, that you you're connected and you may be only connected by this digital medium of social media uh in many senses but there's a connection there and that's community and uh, i don't care what the naysayers say about the fact you can't do community on social media you can and um so that's that's kind of my journey uh and i can talk about this sort of stuff in the whole day as you can tell um, but yeah, that's my doing journey, like the church communications journey so far.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting point you bring up as far as you know people who say that that online community can't exist. And I think it's really key what you said there about about the cold walk up. It doesn't feel like a cold greeting. It's more like. The, the next step in the conversation that you had you you know you 've been interacting online as you said commenting on blogs via social media et cetera and then when you 're face to face there's there's there 's there's, um, there's nothing awkward there 's a quick sizing up of oh you 're that tall right because you kind of already know what the person looks like because you 've seen their gravatar. you know um, you you, you kind of have a, a feel of who they are and you know that can happen online that can happen with online church and is a great tool to then make it easier and, and re- reduce the, uh, the, the impedance for somebody to show up to church in real life, right? Absolutely. Because the, the setting, the stage, none of that is going to be foreign to them because they've already seen it online. Yeah,
4: absolutely. Look, um, I, I, um, I saw um, Eric Qualk, Qualkman, Um he does you know the Social Media Revolution video, and um, I, I love the stats that come out of that and how he brings them to life. But in, in, in his 2015 video, um, he talks about that 75% of um, commercial kind of word-of-mouth decisions come through social media. And you think about that, that we trust, we, we live in this trust economy and it transfers online where if Steve Fogg uh, attends this church and invites his social network to church or it shares his experience of church, uh, there's a, there's a, a, a door, the door just becomes slightly open and, um, you know, there's a lot, a lot more steps that need to be taken in someone's faith journey, but it helps, uh, it helps. And, um, I'm convinced of that. And, um, and, and like you say, you know, for, for many people, and I know just from my own experience of talking with the, um, a lot of the guys from who do church online, uh, in the States that, um, there is that natural progression inwards and um, people actually do end up to physically turning up at the locations uh, from church online. And it, it is a wonderful place to check somebody out or check a, a church out or check an organization out that you can, you can, um, it's no longer that kind of cold ask where you're hoping that someone will go to church with you one weekend and you've got to, Change your whole social schedule and diary and all that sort of stuff. And you, boy, do you pray that the preacher's going to preach that right message? You know, it's it's not like that anymore. It's, um, it's that kind of, hey, this is what we did at church yesterday, or um, yeah, just this really spoke to me, uh, what this person said. And it, there's just a connection there that um, social media provides. Um, and, and again, this is my, my passion kind of speaking to that where um, social media for churches, it's not just the mainstream channels that are the ones which are most effective. It's that you and I have got our phone out at church and we're sharing our experience about our spirituality that, that actually has an authenticity to it that um, no no church communications director really can... Um, create. Um, so it's a, it's a fascinating blend uh, in, in many ways on social media in that way.
0: What would you say to churches that can't afford to hire a communications um, pastor, director, whatever you want to call them, you know, a communications person to come on board, um, you know, a smaller congregation, 100, 200 people that, that understand the importance of social media. They want to do something on social media but be, because of time and resources, et cetera, it, it feels very uh, restrictive and they're not sure how to go about it. And they know that they need to go all in or not do it at all because they know that going halfway um, doesn't really uh, give give the right kind of result. What, what do you say to them? Uh, wh- what kind of tips would you give them to be able to approach this successfully with without having to have that full-time staff person? Well, I'll
4: firstly say uh, start on one channel. Um, and... Um, Try it in the best possible way. Figure out, uh, determine the channel by where your audience lives. So, um, you know, we know the vast majority of people live on Facebook, um, but it may be that your audience is the university crowd and they may live on Instagram or they may be even younger and they may live on Snapchat. Um, you may get that sense of that and it might be those channels are better places to start. Um, but start in one place. Um And and I'd also say don't think that you've necessarily got to, let's say if you're on Facebook, you don't necessarily have to start up a Facebook page. Um, You can be yourself and you can start um, making friends with people because if you're making friends in your local community, uh, your profile as a pastor in the community will get out. And that's a really simple place to start outside of creating a page and curating content for that page and all that sort of stuff. But if you start with your own profile and start understanding on your own profile, what resonates with people, what doesn't resonate with people, um, that will help you uh, take a next step into um, more kind of traditional forms of um, official channels for churches and branded kind of, Facebook pages or Instagram accounts and all that sort of stuff. So if you start with yourself, and you'll get a sense of what people like to share uh, and who to connect with. So Facebook, for instance, is fantastic. Uh, it will find your friends for you, and uh, if you're if you're truly in a, in a physical community in a location, it will find people around you who you're connected with, and whether that's in um, at your local school. Or in um, uh, council, or any anyone that you come into contact with. So, to give you an example, <clears throat> for me, I, I cycle three times a week in a cycling group, and it wasn't hard for me to find one person in that cycling group uh, and to be friends with them on Facebook. Now, once I did that, I found everybody else who was in that cycling group. Uh, it wasn't hard once I accepted my friend request. All of these people came in front of me who I knew were in the cycling group. So what I did, I became their friends. Now I know we're not friend friends, we're acquaintances. But all of a sudden I can start um think about what sort of content I'm gonna put in front of them. And these you know, a lot of these guys don't go to church. And I, I can consider that and all of a sudden I'm making inroads into another community that I Previously, previously wasn't reaching. So it's very, very simple. Um, so step, step one is just find someone, be a friend to them, uh, make friends on social media, and that will open other doors into their community um, and, and then find out what content they like uh, versus what content you necessarily want to post because they may not be the same thing. So if you can imagine the type of things that you like to share, Um, that's a great place to start. So um, shareable content is where it's at on social media. So my third tip is find that shareable content. Um, Don't be posting about what events that you have coming up um, all the time because, frankly, um, that'll disappear into into the graveyard on social media. But if you can share about a life that's been changed or how God speaks to you or... How uh, you see God in creation, or whatever it is, it's it's sharing who you are. That's there's an authenticity there that resonates so strongly, and um, so that's a really good place to start. Uh, if you're a little bit more advanced, you can do what a friend of mine did, uh, Brandon Cox, and Brandon is a pastor um, who just planted a church recently at Grace Hills Church, I think. And he created a simple video on an iPhone inviting his community to come to church. Uh, And um, he posted it on his Facebook page, and then, um, and I think it was a page, um, and then invited his community. So he sponsored it uh, and advertised it in his local area and invited his community to church for a particular sermon series on a topic that he was going to be speaking on. And I just remember it stood out to me, the power of the personal invitation. Uh, it wasn't a fancy video. I, I saw it. It, wasn't, it didn't have a lot of graphics. It wasn't expensively produced. It was just his phone and his ability, capacity to speak to the phone. And um, they had people come for the first time to church. They had a couple of commitments to Christ on that day. So it's it this wonderful ability that we, are, we all become um, broadcasters in a sense, uh, that we all have ability to connect with our community that we've never had before through traditional media. You know, we've all got an opportunity to, to reach into our community and share uh, who we are, what our church is about, um, what our message is. Uh, On the flip side of that, if you don't get it right, if you aren't careful, uh, you actually switch as many people off as you switch them on. So you've just got to be thoughtful and um, conscious of who your audience is. So if you really are reaching the community and you're not just preaching to the choir, you've got to think about that as well. Uh, You've got to think about the sorts of topics that would resonate with them versus what just resonates with you. So just be careful because uh, it will backfire very quickly uh, if you get it wrong.
0: Well, wow, those those are some excellent, excellent tips. And I really like how you um, are all about empowering those in the church, whether it be a pastor or just be... You know, th- those in the congregation, because I think a lot of times the church, you know, when you go to a church, it's easy to think, well, the church will take care of the missions. You know, the church takes care of my my kids studying in the Bible every Sunday. Uh, My pastor takes care of my Bible studying every Sunday. It takes care of uh, uh, any missions or missionaries. Um, uh, Oh, and it'll take care of my social media evangelism because there's the church Facebook page and on and on. And it's all about the church taking care of it instead of us being proactive, those that are in the church. And that is, I mean... The, the tips that you outlined is not only great for a pastor um, who is interested in getting their their church out there on social media, but it, those are great tips for all of us, all of us Christians who are online using social media. I really like your your last <laughs> your last tip there and saying, hey, you know, uh, as easy it is to. Um, invite somebody and to give, make someone interested in in uh, in Jesus in your church, etc. You can just as easily turn them off. So I think that's uh, excellent, excellent tip, Steve.
4: Absolutely, yeah. One thing I want to say to all of your um, your listeners here is a big, big thing, and I'd hate to leave this podcast without this this tip. Everyone that is coming to your church online, so how, wherever their digital journey starts, there's, there's always a destination, and you've got to figure that out. And, and what, the mistake I see so many people make, so many institutions, organisations, churches, non-profits make, is that we um, segment all these disciplines and these skills into silos. So we may have great social media. We have, may have a great website. We may have a great connections or newcomers ministry. We may have a great um, design team. Um, But we've got to realize that um, when someone is um, on that journey into a faith community, uh, it doesn't stop. Uh, And one of the the big discoveries I've made over the last few years is um, that we, we in church world, especially mega churches, we live in silos and, you know, I, I write a lot about social media and that's my passion. But just having good social media isn't good enough. Um, and if you get them into your website, just having a good website isn't good enough. Yeah, And, you know, that first experience in your church isn't just good enough. It's a whole journey. And I think churches often slip into being known for, or church professionals, anyway, and communications people being known for something. Um, and I'd say, don't be known for something. Be known for being effective at what you do. Be known for helping people take the next step of faith. Um, I don't want to be considered an expert in social media or communications. I want to kind of remove the barriers, remove the hindrances all along the way of that journey. Uh, to help people discover who Jesus really is uh, and put their trust in Him. And um, so, that digital kind of journey, I've actually written about that on my blog and I've given some really simple tips. And it's, I've written a free ebook just because of my passion for this experience that I want people to have. And you can go to my blog at stefog.com and download the free ebook. Uh, it's there uh, I've just got some simple lessons that I take people through just to understand what that is um, and I don't know Eric if you do show notes but um, just put a link in there and, and people will be able to find that there and it's free, there's no strings attached uh, my, my heart is that churches will get better at that whole journey because here's the thing uh, businesses for-profit organisations are thinking about that whole journey, and they are looking at every step in that buyer's journey they call it. And our journey that we're providing for people is so much more fulfilling at the end of the day than someone buying an iPhone or a, or something from Amazon Prime or, or whatever. Uh, that, that, you know, so think about that whole thing. Have a read of the ebook. Um, send me an email or tweet to me if you've got any questions because I'd love to help uh, people genuinely. And um, so think about all of those steps because being good at one step uh, in that journey is not good enough. We need to help people take step after step after step after step uh, into the church. And, and, you know, that's, that's kind of something as I've kind of been in just that digital landscape of going, wow, there are people who are checking us out and we don't know how they've checked us out, but let's make it as easy as possible for them every step of the way. And um, let's not put a barrier. Let's not create irresistible social media that helps them click through to our website and then they just see this thing from the 1980s that it's got, you know, gifts on it and, you know, terrible type and, you know, which is going to make them switch off or it's your flash movie. It's going to take four minutes to load and it's got music from the 1980s. And, you know, let, let, let's get beyond that mindset of we do one thing well. Um, let's let's get into the mindset of looking at every step of that journey and be journey mind, mindful as well that they may come back 10 or 20 times. Uh, it may not be the first time where um, they kind of, discover who Jesus is but it's, it's having that journey mindset that people really I take time and um, we need to provide and lower the barrier at each one of those steps so that when they're ready it's easy for them to say yes
0: It was fun to finally put a voice to a name since we see uh, Steve Fogg out and about on the interwebs. I, I think fundamentally the biggest and greatest takeaway from our, our time listening to Steve was that you be real. Be
2: real and just go for it. I think that that's important, too. Um, I, I constantly harp on people that don't have a strategy and... And I think that it's difficult whenever you don't have a strategy to be successful, but I don't want that to be the only thing that holds you back. If you are so passionate about getting the gospel into every person's hands, like, um, Steve kind of gave off the whole vibe of, he just has to do it. There's nothing that's going to hold him back. Then why in the world would you wait six months to put together a strategy? You should put a strategy together because if you're not going to be effective with it, then you're going to be wasting your time and resources but don't let that hold you back. And I think that was really cool to hear from him in that process.
0: I I also like the idea of being reinforced that uh, you just need to to figure out which network is your most used in your church and start with that. You don't have to start with all of them at the same time. I mean, that's what you've experienced at your church, right, Phil? I totally agree. Yeah, Facebook
1: has been very good to us. Uh, And we we occasionally get some engagement on Twitter, but just it's it's very little. Uh, And Google Plus, well, it was a good idea, but uh, God bless it. Hey, by the way, you shared something on Google Plus the other day. Yeah. He only
2: shared it to the people that. Wait, wait. He only shared it to the people that followed him. So apparently you're actually using it wrong because you shared it to like five people. So I, I, the reason I, you're not getting traction is because it's all you're not auto share. There.
1: I have no idea. I set up an auto sharing thing. And it, if, it, if Google Plus can't but share things properly, it's Google Plus's fault. If you look at your
2: page and say, okay, what's Phil doing here on Church Mag or on. On
1: Google Plus, all they're going to see is a blank page because you're well, not sharing them right. I told Jetpack to share to Google Plus, and Google Plus can't figure that out. That's, the, that's their problem.
0: I know. I saw <laughs> you were in the feed, and I'm like, what? Who is this? I just thought it was
2: funny that it's he a, shared it privately. It's just an auto-share. It.
0: It's a, it's a stinking—I'm I'm going to try yeah. Jetpack
1: right now. I'm going to go look at my settings. Well, it,
0: maybe it's a Google Plus setting. I, well, it's just no, don't share it privately. Also, I have to say, Phil, how impersonal is that, that it would auto-share? Got to be real, people. Yeah, you can't auto-share. Well, you can. Everybody does it. Isn't that kind of funny, though? Like, you see these social media experts, quote-unquote experts out there, and they're talking they're, they're talking all this stuff, and they're like, they're totally automated. Oh, yeah. They're like robots. Well, that's, that's what's funny is that um, Rick Warren, a few years ago, I remember him tweeting out,
1: if you're auto-sharing on social media, you're doing it wrong, and you shouldn't do it at all. Right,
0: and then it said, sent out by Hootsuite. Because it was scheduled. No, I'm kidding. No, it didn't, I'm kidding. But, I'm uh, kidding. So I should, I, I'm pretty sure I checked it. Thought, that's kind of uh, interesting, right, Rick here. So, are you saying that? So, do you think he he would be for or against buying followers? Uh,
1: absolutely
2: against. Mm, okay. So, yeah, the whole scheduling aspect of thing, I think, is an interesting process. I don't think that you can. I think when we make it a issue of authenticity, we're taking it beyond the true nature of the process, and so I think that that's important to recognize as well. But Um, automation in itself isn't a bad thing, but you need to have some true personal aspects to it as well. I think that there, I think you need to do that. And in fact, I would say that everything that I've ever put out on my own personal accounts and everything that I've shared on church mag has not been automated it's been scheduled but it's not been automated it's been all personal stuff added
0: i think that i think that's really important to to uh, delineate that when we say personal we don't mean that you have to live tweet or you have to live facebook you you can schedule these things you can use tools like buffer uh, tools like co schedule church mag uses co schedule um, and so it in a sense, it's automated and it auto shares, but there's still that that intentional. You know, I'm sharing it this amount of times. This is how I'm sharing it. Maybe sometimes there's extra comments added, et etc. Different social networks it it uh, posts more than others, etc. And so there is that that uh, touch point of of being personal and everything is planned. And I so I, I think that that should be clarified, especially for people that are new to this. That automation and using scheduling tools are are not the same thing so so how 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 would you how would you draw that line between between those two things jeremy well i just
2: recently read an article i can't remember who it was because it was at 11 p.m and obviously i don't remember things so um if we look at the if we look at the buffer feed for church mac we can find what the article is because i shared it okay um i think it was today
0: that way i can that way i can dig it up
2: Um, Yeah, because I'm cutting a peach right now. Um, It was either...
0: (laughs) (laughs) You are are so pro. You are cutting a peach for your son right now. Talking social media on the podcast. This is incredible. Um,
2: I think there's only like three articles there. And one of them is unschedule your feed or something. Okay, I'll
0: find it. I'll find it. I'll find it, people. I'll find it. Is this now the Church Mag Peach Cast? Yes. (laughs) Welcome to the Church Mag Peach Cast. Did you know we sponsored one of the college bowls, the Peach Bowl? I did not know that. The Church Mag Peach Cast Bowl. Well,
2: I shortened it just to the Peach Bowl because I didn't want to get people confused. Oh,
1: right. 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 Thanks, Jeremy. Always thinking, buddy. (laughs) There's a, there's a ska. Oh, this is so stupid. There was a, a local ska band here uh, when I was in college, and they had a song, and the chorus was, "It's not a peach, it's not a plum, it's a nectarine. It's not a peach, it's not a plum, it's a nectarine." And I think it's pronounced the entire chorus.
0: It was so stupid. It sounds like a perfect ska song. I can I can almost hear it in my head. It was
1: it really it, it was a really good run. It was, like, it was that's not a peach, it's not a plum, it's
0: a nectarine. It was good. It was good. It's like. I ride in the street. I get hit by cars. I ride in the street. Yeah, it's kind of a Were you going to complete your thought, Jeremy? Or are you still cutting peach? (laughs) (laughs) That's what we were waiting for. We are on it today, guys. (laughs) I'm still cutting fruit myself. so good. Keep keep cutting that fruit. You keep cutting the fruit. You know, thank goodness we have interviews for these peach casts because... Find the article. Did I find the article?
2: Yeah. You said you're going to look for
0: it. Yeah. I mean, I was going to look for it like later and put it in the links. I didn't mean I was going to actually go look it up right now. Oh, I
2: think you can going to look it up right now.
0: Can you, hear, can you hear the feedback right now? There is no feedback. We hear you talking and we hear Grant saying, look, dad, I want a peach. Get with the program. Um,
2: so for me, so the article talked about unscheduling and it actually talks about how scheduling in and of it itself is good, but then you lose that authenticity. And so you need to keep sharing um, don't give up the aspects of doing the automated stuff because there's a huge benefit for that, right? It saves you time, it gets you the traffic that you need, but then make it real, make it personal because if you're not doing that, then you're actually going to be losing a lot of followers in the process. And it talked about from the standpoint of, actually, I think it was Neil Smith talked about the idea that you're going to be losing people when big events happen. And so that's important, but you're also going to be losing the simple character of the process. And so you can automate all the different unique stuff you have, but you can also do it in real time. And that he said that's what's important in the aspect. So recognize that outside context is important, but then also recognize that you just want to simply come off as real and true. And so that's that's important,
0: right? And and that's not the easiest. I mean, it sounds easy. I mean, you're able to to um, talk about these concepts and ideas in a couple of minutes, but doing it's like this whole other thing. I constantly struggle with that with church mag. Like, are, am I sharing too much? Not enough? Like, wh- you know, where is that line? It, it, it gets blurry and difficult at times. That That's why I always have church mag pulled up in, um, in, at least with my Twitter feed so that it's live. So that if, if we get any, any action, I can reply, you know, fairly quickly. Um, and
2: because you're doing that because you're wrestling with that. It's because you are doing it live. You're slowly investing in their process. Whereas if it's automated, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. And I will admit there's a lot of people on there that have those processes and I just simply start to unfollow them. And it's because their automation is showing. And I, I think that that's an important thing to recognize that it's good. In fact, I highly endorse automation, but once it starts showing and, and people stop connecting with you, you're doing it wrong and you're failing. And so is... Six page views a day worth losing your brand, losing your authenticity, and really kind of disconnecting from the from the audience. And I would say no.
0: You know what my number one uh, automation pet peeve is when people lead a post and they say "new post colon" and then the name. I'm like, oh, okay. Hey,
1: don't don't hang on
2: me.
3: Okay. (laughs) (laughs)
2: But, but, it's when you're, but when you're not posting every single day, that's all right for the initial post. And I'm I'm personally okay with that because I do want to see the new posts. I don't want to see the reoccurring ones. But the ones that say, hey, did you catch this post? And then the next six posts are that. And it's just a different article each time. That one drives me bonkers. Yeah, well, okay. They're repetitive on the
0: same day. That, that does – because if I'm following – if I'm really truly following somebody – on Twitter or something, I'm I'm following close enough that if I see the same article three or four times in the same day, I'm like, okay, come on. I clicked. I, you just feel like such it feels like such a time waste because you clicked again, right? Um, but I, I just say pet peeve. It just, it, maybe that was the right word. Um, whenever I see that, whenever I see new post and then it says the name of the post, what I immediately think is it puts every other tweet that they have in question for me. <laughs> So I'm like so is all that other stuff like old crap or <laughs> Sure. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Churchman, we don't even we don't even delineate like this is new, this is old. It just goes out there because to me, Twitter is such a is such a fluid thing that if you're doing the same content, you know, a week later, okay, it's it's not not such a big deal. And if it's it, I don't know. No, I I I I just like I said, it's something that I I constantly struggle with as far as as far as the automation side goes so that it doesn't become mechanical because I don't want it to be mechanical because that's gross.
1: I I do auto shares of my new posts. I don't do reshares of my my other posts. I I should but usually I only share old posts if if the conversation has come back around. You know? So like for example when the whole uh, fake news thing we talked about on the um, podcast a few weeks ago. When that came back up, I wrote, I, I written a post about that. So I mentioned to few people, I shared it a little bit again, because it, the conversation came had come back to that, you know? And so that, for me, I, I, I will reshare an old post, but I'll do it organically when the, the time is right.
2: For me, the beautiful thing isn't even in the aspect of, um, do we do new posts or something like that? It's because you guys are living in network you guys are actually struggling with that. Whereas if someone has it completely automated, they don't have these feelings. They don't necessarily connect with it. And they, in many ways, stop caring about their audience. It's just simply another way to get traffic. And that's where things fit. And I
0: don't like that. Mm. And this has got me rethinking a lot of things. Because just because we prove that something works doesn't mean we should be doing it. For instance, you know, when you go to, when you go to a site and it has a pop-up to join their newsletter, right? Oh. Church Mag, we tried that for... A time, maybe a week, most, and I had it set up so that it wouldn't do it again, like so if you closed it, you know it would remember the cookie. so if you came back th- that day or within the next week or even month, it wouldn't pop up again. So once you cl- it was kind of a one time deal, right And I think we had a few sign ups, and I had read time and time again how great it was and how you know you grew a mailing list and all this stuff, so I thought we would try it. Every time I would go to a website to read an article that I wouldn't read that I wouldn't go to on a regular basis, those things would pop up and I'm like this really annoys me. And I'm like why am I doing this? And so I went and I turned it off. I turned that thing off cuz I'm like, you know, just because it works doesn't mean that I want to that I should or I should want to do it. Just because the church mag emailed list would grow and people might benefit from it, et cetera, et cetera, doesn't mean that I should be doing it because you end up annoying a lot of people or making the experience awkward and just yucky. And so it makes me, it makes me rethink like even how we, how we use our social media channels for reposting blog posts. Like I get the initial like blasting it and having that automated. What I'm really struggling with is those, those reshares like if i could pull a if i could pull a quote from it or something maybe that would add a little extra value and that could justify it but i am afraid of becoming so automated and what if somebody when they looked at a, a social media feed for church mag that they knew if they saw an entry that that was the only time that that entry happened and it wasn't going to happen again i don't know it, it, you know the trade off and traffic and like all these things are are cooking through my head be careful
2: that you are not making it super personal because um recognize i hate the word normals when technology people talk about those that are not completely immersed in the process so I'm not going to use that but for people that aren't fully diving into digital stuff like you do recognize that there is a difference there and so you might have that hate feeling but not everybody's going to have that feeling and so it might be a good red flag but not necessarily I need to give it up and so just recognize that that's there as well so,
3: and
0: so maybe that's an instance where dialing it back sure. or not going too far is is a good balance. And then
2: also asking the audience, what do you think, guys? I mean, this is for a very specific purpose. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing it. And all of a sudden, now you get to communicate to your audience that you care about them and about your program and legitimizes everything you say on the blog.
0: We, we've done that several times with the Church Mag newsletter. And while it gets sent out to um, lots of people, we only get a few people that reply to the feedback, but the feedback has been, has been wonderful. And it hasn't been like left field feedback. It's been like, ah, I wondered.
2: But even then it's our context, because if you look at, I would say in the hashtags I have done in the past, this one has not been as successful as I've seen many hashtags I've done. And so I've seen thousands and hundreds of thousands of people use the hashtag, but then you look at other people in our section with podcasts Mm -hmm. They are not getting any traffic. They're not getting any mentions, and they're getting all their resources and content elsewhere. Whereas we are getting ten thousand times the return based on their comparison. And so I think that that's something to recognize because it feels like we're not doing a very good job, and yet the reality is is we're doing an excellent job. All right. Well, that's something to realize
0: too. Uh, we like feedback at Church Mag, so please put that hashtag #CMagCast hashtag to work people we would like to hear what you think we
2: do something with feedback that's the cool parts we actually go for it yeah we mock it
1: unrelentingly
2: (laughs) (laughs) no but we actually are like oh they wanted wanted us to change something eric what do you think should we do this and then we start to actually think about that
1: process so we we go for it we think about your feedback so keep it coming
0: thank you for joining us this week i hope you enjoy our thrills and spills Say hello or ask a question. You'll hear from us on an upcoming podcast. Just use that hashtag, CMAGCAST. Until next week.
1: The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com.
0: I want banana. He wants the nana, Jeremy. Come on, get with it, bud. Yeah, get that boy a banana. Banana.